we're going to actually move into our next sermon series, and we're going to be talking about transformation or the transformed life. Say the transformed life. Many people will say, I don't like change or I don't welcome change. Why can't we go back to the way things used to be? Nothing was wrong with that. Well, change is happening. Transformation is happening whether you like it or not. Some grew up in a time where you could leave bicycles out in the front yard. You could leave your front door open or leave your windows open. But now we go into our houses and we lock our doors and we set our alarms because we don't know what's out there. Transformation is occurring whether you like it or not. So roughly speaking from my point of view, just get on board. Just get on board with transformation. It's going to happen. I don't like shaving. I have never liked shaving. But whether I like it or not, this beard is going to grow. In two or three days, I'm going to be scratching and itching. I've got to cut it off. It's part of my transformation. In a month from now, the skin cells that are currently alive on your epidermis, you know, that lower layer or was the outer layer of skin, will be renewed. It will be rejuvenated. Transformation is happening whether you like it or not. Whatever I ate for breakfast this morning is now being stored up and converted into energy for my body to function, to cause my blood to to pump through my veins and all throughout my body. Transformation is happening. But God has a specific plan for transformation. Let's look at what the scripture says about this. Very familiar. Romans chapter 12 Verse 1, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, and I'm reading from the NIV version, to offer your bodies as a living, say living, not a dead, you don't have to die, but a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Jesus died on the cross for our sins once and for all. He's not asking us to die for anyone else's sin. Though there are many people um, in other countries and other places, excuse me, you all, who have died because of their love for the gospel. But that's not what he's asking. He's saying present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Remember, our bodies are a temple of what? Of who? The Holy Ghost. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And that's what we're talking about. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind to approve that you will be able to test and approve what's, what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we need to be transformed. And this transformation needs to be intentional. It has to be intentional. So those things that we can affect... We cannot change. Let them be transformed on their own. But there has to be a transformation of our mind, our ways, our thoughts, our process. And I had a very good example to happen to me on this week. So we want to talk about transformation. So what is transformation? The dictionary, yes, change. (laughs) The dictionary says it's a thorough and dramatic change in form or appearance. A thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. So how many of us have actually changed our hairstyle? How we wear our hair? 
How many of us change our attire? Are we still wearing the same clothes we wore 10 years ago? No. We live in different... Oh, you are? They still fit? Well, good on you. (laughs) I know mine's don't. But it, it, it is a change in form or appearance. So we have to change our form of thinking. We may not change our physical appearance, and God doesn't require a physical change in us, but he wants us to change thoroughly. The word says thorough and dramatic. Remember, thorough and dramatic. It's not a slight change. It has to be a dramatic change. Do we like change? No. I don't like the fact that during the nor'easter, I was running late one morning, And there was a green arrow, even though the other lights were red, there was a green arrow that led me, that allowed me to make a right turn without having to stop. And I'm rushing and I'm late. And then that light turned from green to yellow. And I'm about so far from the intersection. And I'm like, but I'm late for work. And so I lost a yellow arrow. And so I made a right turn on red and all of a sudden bright lights. Guess what? I got a ticket. I don't like those kind of changes. There were no police officers around. Why do y'all need those cameras? I'm late for work. I'm trying to get your lights on. But transformation is happening. So we've got to get on board. And God is saying that there is a higher calling for your life. And the way that we used to do things, the way we used to think is not going to work. It is absolutely not going to work. So why transformation? Well, let me let me say this. There are hundreds of self-help books out there. Anybody ever read a self-help book? How to improve, you know, our way of thinking. How to improve, how to clean your house. How to better take care of your lawn. How to get a higher education. All these different things. But God's word is also filled with help. But in it, there's ways to help you, ways to help others. And ultimately, there is a map to get to heaven. So I'm not knocking self-help books. I probably needed to read a few in my lifetime. But why transformation? Why? I am a new creature because of my creator. That's why. I can't be who I used to be and serve my creator. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he or she, they are a new what? Creature. All things are passed away, all things. Behold, all things are become new. So if I want to serve God to the utmost, freely, holy, and acceptable, as Romans 12 says, acceptable unto him, I have to allow myself to be transformed. It's cut and dry. That is the why. So the what? What's the purpose? I mean, what, what am I doing this for? So I can walk down the red carpet one day so that I might get some type of award from my community? The what? The enemy sees you. When the enemy, excuse me, when the enemy sees you try to change, he's going to change your change to make it look the same. Can we say that again? Fast? Three times? When the enemy sees you try to change, he's going to change your change To make it look the same. Can we say that one more time? Real fast. When the enemy, come on y'all with me. When the enemy sees you try to change, he's going to change your change to make it look the same. 
So I, rem- I and I thought about this. I don't know if I can convey this, but I remember watching the old cartoons, the old Bugs Bunny cartoons. And this character would be like inside of a log or a pipe or something. And he would run out and he would realize there was nothing there. So he would get scared and he would run back. Well, the other guy to play a trick on him would spin the pipe around thinking he's running back on land. He's running right back out again. And this is just a little gimmick. Every time we think that we're going to run out onto the safe place, the enemy's going to say, well, you're okay where you are. You don't have to change. Have you ever killed anybody? Anybody here ever killed anybody? And you don't lie. You don't lie. There are no liars in here. And if we do lie, it's a small lie. And we didn't do it intentionally. I was under a lot of pressure. And it just kind of slipped out there. And I'm sorry I, I, I cussed at you. But, you know, those, those words aren't normally in my category, in my vocabulary. But every time the enemy sees you try to change, he's going to change your change to try to make it look the same. That you can be who you are and God is graceful. He's merciful and you don't have to change. I'm going to love you. God's going to love you just for who you are. Just as I am without a plea. So the enemy wants you to stay who you are and not change because he's going to make your change look the same. Can you all agree with me on that? I don't have to really change change, do I? I mean, I don't really have to go to church. I don't really have to, because, I mean, I talk to God all day. Me and the man upstairs, you know, we got something. He understands me, and I understand him. Well, the first thing you have to understand is he is not the man. God is not a man. God is not a man, and he ain't upstairs. Where is he? He's in here. He's not upstairs. He's right here within you. So when the enemy tries to see you change, he's going to try to change your change and make it look the same. Say, no, I've got to change because I know there are things about me that are not right. I know there are things about me that have to change. And they are not acceptable. And I don't care if I've been doing them for two years or 20 years. Wrong is still wrong. And then the how. The how. How am I going to change? And the answer is, it's not always in what I say, but how I handle what I face. It's not always what I say, but it's how I handle what I face. So what do I mean by that? Don't get me wrong. It is so important, so important that we confess the word of God, that we speak the word of God. And he tells us, Put me in remembrance of my word. Don't cry to God. Pray his word. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you will ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. It is by your stripes that I was healed. I am more than a conqueror. I'm speaking the word of God. But it's not always in what I say. But it's how I handle what I face. I walk around the office like, hey, how y'all doing? What did y'all do yesterday? Oh, man, we just played some softball and, you know, we did this. Well, I was in church and I had such a great time. The Lord moved and we had, oh, it was just fabulous. The spirit moved, but y'all didn't do that, did you? And like, all right, okay, whatever. But as soon as the boss says you got to work late, work late? Are you kidding me, man? 
I ain't working late today. I worked I work late last week. Wait a minute. It's not what you say. It's how you handle what you face. We've got to change how we handle situations. It's not enough just to say the word or to speak positively. We've got to live it. People have to see your actions transform, not just what you're saying. Oh, he stopped cussing. He used to cuss real bad. He don't cuss no more. But what about when adversity comes? Have we changed how we live, how we act, the things that we do? And transformation is an ongoing process. We don't say, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Boom, I'm done. I'm in, right? No more work to be done. I got my diploma. I can live like I want to. I'm ready to go to heaven. No. Transformation is an ongoing process. You cannot go from being a tree outdoors to a two-by-four in a building to going back to being a tree. You're a two-by-four in this wall, and it's like, I used to be outside with all this fresh air and the birds landing on me and pooping and squirrels, and, oh, I just love being outside. I don't want to be a board anymore. I want to be a tree again. No. You've been transformed, and now, and don't get me wrong, I love trees until they fall on power lines. But trees are beautiful, but now I have a purpose. I'm a board in a wall. And these people have a place to live, not just the squirrels, because the, the birds have nests and the squirrels have uh, wherever they live. <laughs> but these people now have a home, have a purpose. You don't have to see me, but I have a purpose. But what about the rest of you guys? Oh, I've been here longer than you have. <laughs> and I love it, man. It's cool, in the, it's cool in the summer and it's warm in the winter. I love being aboard. But we don't want to transform. We don't want to be where God has placed us. We don't, we don't want to do that part. But think about it. When you go back, hypothetically, you go back to being a tree rather than a board, you've missed the mark of where God called you to be. And now you have left a void in this wall. I want to put a picture up right here. Wait, there's no, how come there's a board here and there's a board here? Where's Robert? Robert's missing. He went back out to be in the tree again. And not only that, you all have heard the term a low-bearing wall. Now I've just put more weight on my buddies. I put more weight on my buddies because I wanted to go back to where I used to be when God called me to be right here aboard in this wall. So what do you want me to do, Lord? I want you to go. I want you to go. I want you to go and I want you to talk to Brother Tyu. All right, Lord, here I go. I'm getting there, Lord. Okay. Well, Tyu is a little bit far over there. I'm going to talk to Brother Keith over here. I'm, I'm ready to go, Lord. All right, Lord, give me, give me a little more time. Okay, Lord, Mother Parsons, and I never make it. Okay, well, Lord, I got a better idea. Why don't I? I can get to Brother Keith, but Brother Keith can't use you. You ain't no good to him. Why? Because you've got no substance to you. Oh, I can fix that real quick, Lord. I'll just ball myself up in a rock, Brother Tom. 
And look, you're all off the mark. God's saying, no, you've got to let me transform you. But you know, transformation is, can be painful. Transformation is a process because, face it, I love popcorn. And I love popcorn because in the old days, it used to take a long time. You had to put the oil in the pan. You had to let the pan heat up. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> you, you had to go through a process. Then you had to put the kernels in there. And then you had to put the lid on top of the pan. And you had to shake it back and forth. And then you had to find you a big brown paper bag to put that greasy popcorn in. But we like it now. We just reach in the closet there and we, we open it up. We stick it in the microwave for maybe a minute. And before we know it, we've got nice, buttery, well, me, I like kettle corn, popcorn. And it tastes so good. Doesn't it taste good? Y'all, how many of y'all like popcorn? We like popcorn? Okay. But I'm saying, Lord, I don't need to go through that process. Well, if you're going to be transformed, you're going to have to go through the process. Well, Lord, can you give me a timeline? Because I've got things to do. I want to get married. I want to have a house. I want to get a new car. And the Lord's saying, look, you couldn't get there when I told you to go there. Have you went to see Brother Keith yet? Yeah, Lord. But I never made it. Well, what about Brother Tyu? He's still waiting on you to come by. Well, I tried and the traffic was too bad. But if you take the time and let me transform you and shape you and bend you and put creases in you, that divorce that you went through, it was painful. But guess what? Someone else is about to get a divorce. You need to go talk to them. Because I've transformed you and you know about the hurt and you know about the pain and you know about the people whose lives have been affected. Your kid won't stay out of trouble. I know it hurt. I know you lost a lot of sleep during the night. But I'm telling you, you need to go talk to that parent. You need to pray for those children. All those things that you went through, I put those creases in your life. And now when I tell you to go somewhere... You can go because you let me form you into what I needed you to be. You didn't see it at the time. But now you can fly. Instead of wasting all of that energy trying to get somewhere, if you let me transform you and mold you and make you to be what I made you to be, stop trying to do it your way because I promise you, you can't get there your way to where God wants you to be. You can't get there doing it your way. I want to I give an, an example real quick by scripture. And many of you know this story. Near Damascus, excuse me, we're talking about Saul. Saul's out to do his business, and that is to persecute the Christians. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven shined and flashed around him. Again, NIV version. He fell to the ground and heard a voice and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest me? Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, he asked. I am Jesus whom thou, 
whom you are persecuting. I keep wanting to read the King James Version. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what to do. So he's had this experience from heaven. This light shined down, knocked him off his beast, and God's giving him direction. Something is about to happen. So then we go down to verse 17. Then Ananias, the person he was told to meet, went to the house and entered in. And everybody knows about Saul. Because Saul don't care nothing about you, especially if you're a Christian. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, brother, brother? How is he his brother? Because he knows now the Lord has spoken to him and told him Saul has been transformed. Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again because God caused his eyes to be blind. He could not see. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's been saved and now God's getting ready to fill him with his Holy Spirit. So now, in light of what I've said so far, are y'all ready? Because there's always a test. There's always a test. But I'm not going to test you on today. I'm going to ask you to take a survey. I'm going to ask you to take a survey. Now, thank you for calling Heaven's Hotline. We thank you for your choice on today. And to help give you better quality assurance, we ask you to remain on the line. You are a valued part of this ministry. So please answer the following questions to help you and others with your transformation. How did you find out about Jesus? Anybody? Quick, quick. Brother Tom. From another person. Brother Keith. Mother taking the church as a child. Sister Cindy? Your mother? Sister Lashina? Your mother? We got all the mothers in the house. Brother Tahu? Your father. Oh, we got a dad in the house. All right. Number two in the survey. How satisfied are you with your decision? One, strongly disagree. Five, being strongly agree. Five. I hear five. Can I get a five? Five. Five. Everybody get a five? You are satisfied with your decision to make Jesus as Lord of your life. You are willing to be transformed. Number three in our survey. Do you know anyone else who has ever tried Jesus? Press one for no, two for yes. Two, two. All right. Anybody know any ones? Okay. All right. Number four in our survey, and we ask that you please remain in line. What do you like most about Jesus? Grace, mercy, forgiving, love. Anybody else? He listens to you. Oh, goodness. Now, she done just went in a whole nother direction. Now, we got to have another sermon series. (laughs) He listens to you because I blank out on you. I'm not paying attention. I'm thinking about UVA loss in the first round. But Jesus listens to me. So we all have our different reasons, and we have multiple reasons why do we what we like most about Jesus. And then our final question in our survey, how likely are you to recommend Jesus to others? How likely are you to recommend Jesus to others? Yeah. 
Oh, oh, okay, wait a minute. Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't give you a standard. Number one being not likely, number five being very likely. Five, five. So, wait a minute, how many of you say five? How many of you say five? Okay, I'll look for y'all next Saturday. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> hey, I got up pretty early this morning. I slept in the Holiday Inn Express last night. So in... I just used my spiritual imagination to say, if Paul took the same survey, let's go through these, these uh, questions real quick again. Number one, how did you find out about Jesus? Paul was doing what he did. He knew about Jesus because Paul was actually trained by, uh, what's his name? No. <laughs> Gimamal. Is, is that his name? How you pronounce it? Yeah. Anyway, he was actually trained actually brought up in the church and trained in these ways. So he knew all about the Bible. So how did Paul find out about him? Number two, how satisfied was he with his decision? I think Paul was really satisfied. Number three, do you know anyone else has tried Jesus? Yeah, he was throwing them in jail. Number four, and what do you like most about Jesus? Hey, When I thought I was going the right way, I thought I was doing God a favor. So I was taking people to jail and he knocked me off my horse and knocked some sense in my head. And then number five, how likely is he to recommend Jesus to others? Oh, Paul was on fire. The Bible says that he began to teach as soon as he got saved. So in the same book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 24, this is what Paul, I imagine, might say. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord has given to me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. My life doesn't mean a a hill of beans. It means nothing without Christ. Paul allowed God to transform those creases that Paul was going through. When he was persecuting everyone, he didn't know that was going to make him better. When Paul was slamming the jail cells and going getting more paperwork, he didn't know that God was putting him in a place. He didn't realize all the training that he received as a young man he would eventually use to preach the gospel. And people were terrified of Paul because they knew what he used to do. Anybody scared of you? Anybody worried that you're going to flip out on them? When we allow ourselves to be truly transformed, they're going to say, well, if God did that for you, then he must be somebody because you used to, and y'all can fill in the blank. (laughs) And you used to drink like eight days a week. You used to do stuff, man, that, that I'm ashamed to tell people about. But God transformed you. That's what, that's what we want to talk about, the, the why. why. Why did you do this? Because I can't serve God the way I used to be. Well, what's the purpose? Because the enemy is trying to change everything and make everything that I used to do seem okay. 
I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I pay my taxes. I keep my yard cut. Change the oil in my car and the air freshener on the inside. Everything about my life looks so good. There are hundreds and millions, if not billions of people in the world. And I, I won't even say billions. But there are millions of people who live the life that I just described. Manicured lawns. The dog obeys every command. The children go to private school. and I mean, all of those things are great. But they don't know Jesus. And they refuse to be transformed because they feel if I accept Jesus, I'm going to lose everything I work for. No. You're not. You never lose. You never lose. How happy are you? I think it's question number three. How happy are you with the decision that you made? How happy are you? And I'm telling you, the beauty of it is, is the revelation. You know, Pastor Wendy and I, I learned so much from her. I, and, I, and I cannot in any way fathom that my life would be where it is without Pastor Wendy. And it's through Christ. And it is through Christ. It is through Christ. Amen. I hope you all got something out of this on today. Anybody ready to, to crease? And, and uh, I thank God we, uh, Brother Tom and I, had, a, had an opportunity to minister. And, and this is just how good God is. We've been in this building since June of last year. And never, ever has anything happened that happened like yesterday. We were just here having praise and worship rehearsal and, you know, working on the building. And somebody actually came to the door. Wow. Well, I just wanted to see what y'all were doing. And one of the things that this gentleman said was he really struggles with how the body of Christ can't come together. And there's some things we we live with and we, we can't change. We have to pray for them. But just remember this. I may never touch you, but we're, we'll always be connected. What do you mean by that? Is my elbow connected to my back? Is my elbow connected to my back? Yes. But can it touch it? No. Maybe she can. <laughs> Our dancer over here. They're connected, but they can't touch each other. But does that mean they can't work together? So we're all connected. I'm the board in the wall, and you're the board next to me. And you're the board next to me. And you're the board next to me. And somebody's got to stand in the corner. Somebody's got to hold the roof up. Those tiles, those, those uh, shingles don't stay up there by themselves. Doesn't matter if you're a two by four or, or eight by four sheet of plywood. It doesn't matter. I need you and I need you to be transformed. Come out from, come out from the tree. That's where you used to be. You can't be a tree anymore. Because you've been put into a factory. You've been cut. You've been trimmed. You've been pressure treated. To last for the duration. To last. You can't just cut a, you just can't cut a piece of wood and stick it in a house. It's got to be treated. It's got to be cut. It's got to be trimmed. And it's cut to a specific height, a specific length, 
a specific way. And God is cutting you. He's trimming you. He's treating you. And he's preparing you for your place. And don't step out because now you've made it harder on the next person.